would come home from a trip and binge watch Netflix and just feel like shit. And it was because the life and the things that I were doing weren't enriching my soul or my spirit. And I knew there was something more. So I think that the courage became just from being so sick of choosing the opposite of courage. The sun is coming up, are you ready to go? We can take a ride, we can take it slow, yo. It's your boy Paul Fishman, self-love coach and you-do-you activist, excited to welcome you on the road to self-love. Each week I'm going to be joined by a very special guest in my car as we travel literally and figuratively on the road to self-love. We're going to have very candid conversation about life, self-love, business, and so much more, all with the goal of giving you the tools that you need to learn how to love yourself unconditionally. I hope you're ready, so let's get buckled up because here we go. Oh, hey, self-lovers. Welcome back to another episode of The Road to Self-Love. It's your boy, Paul Fishman, but you already knew, self-love coach and you-do-you activist. So honored and so excited that you decided to spend your time with me and my guest here on The Road. Now, just a casual reminder, The Road to Self-Love is a road that continues to go on and on and on and, and is really fun with a lot more people on it. So if you have yet to write a review for The Road to Self-Love, ooh, I would be honored if you considered heading on over to iTunes and dropping a review to share your biggest takeaways because you're here listening. And for me, that means that there's something about this show that's empowering you to continue on the journey that is the road to self-love. Now, just a casual PSA. If you didn't know, I also record these episodes for YouTube and upload them to my channel, youtube.com forward slash Paul Fishman. Now, the difference between the YouTube episode and the episode you're listening to right now is that I have my team bake down the entire conversation to around 10 minute or less so that if you're feeling like you don't have time to spend the 30, 40, sometimes 50 minutes with us here on the pod, you can always head on over to YouTube and get the, what I'm calling the Cliff's Notes version. However, I feel like Cliff's Notes is kind of dating me because nobody knows what a Cliff's Notes is anymore. It's basically like these mini books that you would read when you were in college and didn't have time to actually read the entire book. They sold them at the college bookstore. But anyway, speaking of books, I have Yana Robinson on the show today, and she is a poet. She knows it, and so do I. Just get ready for the road trip game today. And she has a book. She's writing another book, and I'm just really inspired by her because she is... She really inspired me, and when I came across Yana, it was when I was really struggling at a time when a lot of people were applying for my group coaching program, but they weren't serious about it. They weren't serious about it, and they would just drop the application, and and then I'd send them some information, and I'd send them a link to book a call with me, and they wouldn't book the call. And I was really struggling because I just didn't feel valued, right? Like I spent all this time reviewing the application. They spent all this time dropping the application into my inbox and then nothing. And I know that has nothing to do with me. And my friend tagged me 
in one of Yana's posts on Instagram. And it was so empowering for me to see her no-nonsense take on applications. She's like, if you're going to apply, I need you to be serious because you're wasting my time if you're applying and not serious. Like, what's going on? And that really inspired me because it made me feel seen. It made me feel not alone and just really respected her. So we talk a lot about, like, money and respect and life and what it's like to just be someone who's outspoken, who stands true to who they are and what they're doing in their life. And it's just it's just something that I, I'm really, really excited to share with all of you here on the road. So without further ado, let's get ready. Let's get buckled up because here we go. Welcome back to The Road to Self-Love. It's your boy, Paul Fishman, self-love coach and you do you activist here today with Yana Robinson. And I'm so excited. Uh, just got I got into her schedule and we're here together and I'm just, I love your energy so much. And the thing about self-love for me is that you, self-love is owning who you truly, truly are. And that's why I give my guests the opportunity to introduce themselves as they want to be known. So mm. lights, camera, action, go. Ooh, I like this. Um, I have a firm belief that we are not what we do. We are why we do it. So I do a lot of things that I could tell you and I'll tell you at the end. Um, but I firmly believe that our truth is our medicine and that the world is very sick from not being honest with themselves. And, um, so my work is to empower people to access and become available to their truths and to start living and acting and moving, hopefully in alignment with it. Um, we don't control other people, but that's the intention. Um, and so I am a author, a poet, a coach, speaker. I have a media and apparel brand called This Is For The Women, which is around empowering women to walk tall like an old cypress tree. Um, yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. Oh, and I make, I direct short poetry films that are really fun. They're like a more visual piece as well. Oh, I'm obsessed <laughs> And retreats, you. and retreats, and all the things that come with personal development. And we're best friends. <laughs> best friends that we ever did be. So... The reason that I came in contact with you is a friend sent me a post that you did about your pricing. Do, mm. do you remember this post? That, well, I'm sure you do. Yeah. And, um, and because I was really struggling through that, like pricing myself and getting people to take me seriously. And I was like, this woman, she knows what's up. She's so confident. And I thought that that just like messaging in itself around confidence and everything that you do would just really, really speak to my mission and my audience. So um, I just wanted to give you that little insight. And then I'd love for you to just dive headfirst into this whole concept of owning your why as as this is what you work through and talk about constantly I'd love to know mm-hmm. my why or my worth or my pricing or all of it <laughs> just like whatever you feel called to do you do. want me to talk about the money piece because well, I think that that's a self-love piece and a worth I mean thing. we can talk about the money okay thing. let's do it let's okay. just let's just start there because those are some of my most popular episodes talking about the money the money thing well one thing is that money problems are never money problems they're personal problems mm-hmm. um, I teach a woman's group called your wellness 
wellness is your business. And one of the things we do is dive, deep dive into mother and father's relationship with money um, and psychologically kind of how we first interacted with the energy of money, where it comes from. Um, A lot of the times, even in my own journey, when it's come to money not being there, it's because I'm not allowing myself to receive in a multitude of different ways. And uh, so, yeah, as far as sticking to our worth, I think that we decide what we believe our value and our worth is and people are going to pay what they believe their worth is or what a service is worth to them. And uh, I used to be really flexible. I used to change my rates. I have a lot of empathy and compassion. So I struggled sometimes with like sticking to it because everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I've learned is the only thing that's actually ever allowed me to like stretch and actually make more money is in investing in things that were like beyond my comfort zone. Um, and you had Samantha Skelly on, right? Yeah. And she, I think, she, I don't know if she talked about it with you, but she also like hired a coach that was about three grand a month when she didn't have three grand a month. And that was part of what pushed her to grow. Um, I did the same thing. I hired a coach at one point that was like a thousand dollars a month when I was just beginning as a writer, making like 1500 or two grand a month. And, um, also investing in managers and all those people are kind of what allows me, what allowed me to like stretch, stretch my cup and my context and how I was supported. So I believe that if we're having issues with money, it's usually from a space of self-worth or receiving Mm -hmm. and that people have an underlying current and story and it's completely unconscious and it's governing what they do. And if we change our prices for them, we're saying, I believe your story. I believe that you will never be able to grow beyond whatever story is causing scarcity in your life. It's not the scarcity. It's what's behind it that's causing the scarcity. So if we, if we say like, oh, you're right, you need a discount or you need something that is less than, I think that kind of disempowers them in a way. So it's not of service to enable people in staying in belief systems, undercurrents, scarcity pieces. And we think that we're being compassionate, but we're actually being the opposite. We're being the problem. So sticking to our worth and our value is incredibly important. Um, And really understanding that when I changed my prices, like I lost, yeah, I lost 80% of my clientele, but then I gained in a 20% of clientele that paid me. It's like a 2080 business theory, right? So it's like they, you'll often, you can work with 20% of your clientele that will give you 80% of the income. Um, And then I was working with clients that money wasn't what they were working on and struggling on, which was super nice because it's like, then you can work on other stuff too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So not to fully unpack it, but kind of unpack it. I feel, I feel like, you know, I, got to the hotel and unpacked most of it kept Mm -hmm. a little bit but thank you so much (laughs) it's so beautiful so uh just more so about uncovering like your specific why around honoring you and doing your like living your best life like what would you say to someone who is on the cusp of like being ready to look into that and like some actionable ways to push themselves over the end to know that they're worthy to invest in discovering that Hmm. I think that why waste any second of your life living a life that is anything other than who you are? And if you're being part of who you are to make people in your life comfortable or to fit into anything, you're shorting them the opportunity of actually knowing you in this life as you are. And so um, I think that 
it's ironic that it takes courage or to be brave to be who we are. And unfortunately, we are living in a world where I actually have a whole theory on this. I believe that we conform in a multitude of like unconscious and conscious ways because we're terrified of being ostracized. And like way back in the day when we lived in tribes, being ostracized probably mean you'd like die and get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, mm, right? Mm, like community I, I and community. <laughs> so community was how we stayed alive. You know, there were like the hunters and the gatherers yeah, and the yeah. tigers. Like, um, And so I think that we have problems being people pleasers, setting boundaries, not being who we are because like we're scared shitless of getting kicked out of the community. But the reality is... There are like millions of people that you can connect with. And even if your entire family and friend group was like, we want nothing to do with you anymore, mm-hmm. you would find new humans. You would live. You would be okay. It would be painful, but it would be fine. So I think there's like an unconscious, deeply rooted piece around ostracization, meaning like death or like our, our ego or super ego gets like super dramatic around that. Um, but I believe that, uh, it's not really rational, you know? And if you lose somebody by being all of who you are, it wasn't a true connection or friendship. Mm, this is true. I'm, I'm fully in line with that theory. I like it a lot. So, but I have a question for you. Did you always like live the life knowing that you, you, it was a waste of time to not live your why. Like there had, there has to be an origin story here. Oh yes. Oh, definitely. Let's, let's dive into it. I'm still a recovering Edmontonian. Paul, do you know where Edmonton is? Uh -uh. Exactly. Wait, in Canada. In Canada. No, I love Canada. I love Canadians. <laughs> We're be- this is why. I love Canadians so much. I'm the friendliest California you'll ever meet. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yes. I do know where Edmonton is. I think I have a client. I have Oilers. a lot of Canadian clients. Oh, really? Yeah. I have like no Canadian clients. Huh. Which is okay. Yeah. Because I'm trying to be in the U.S. anyway. But, yes. um Cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, well, I was born in Whitehorse, which is in the Northwest Territories of Canada. Okay. And then my mom was a gypsy and we moved around and then she fell in love with her partner, Jackie. And you know that like the U-Haul lesbian joke, like within like weeks, we moved, we moved to Edmonton. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had three siblings. Mm -hmm. Um, Best thing that ever happened. My mom and Jackie are no longer together, but I got a second mom and three siblings. So it's such a, such a gift. Um, and I lived in Edmonton. Um, it is a oil hockey minus 30 degrees Celsius winter rednecky, like even Calgary is more liberal. Mm. Um, and, uh, I, I like, I think the one thing that I did do right is when I was 18, I went and traveled the world and my mom didn't put any pressure on me to like go to university or she was just like, go figure out who you are. Um, and then I was doing this thing where I would travel, serve and bartend and save up a bunch of money and then go travel the world. But my life was only authentic and I was only free to be connecting and writing and flowing and kind of being who I, what felt true to me when I was abroad. Mm-hmm. And so after about, I'd say probably around 23 or 24 years old, I went, this isn't sustainable because authenticity in only half of our life isn't in alignment and our jobs where we're giving 60 to 70% of our energy every day. So it's like a huge suck. Um, and I was selling condos as well for a developer. I tried out kind of like real estate and, uh, I'd buy a condo from you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. People buy condos from people. Not that's, I was good at that. I was like, people be like, I could buy a condo or they would be like, I could buy a house for $300,000. I'd be like, go buy a house for $300,000. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I want you to have the best thing. Um, And so, yeah, and then I realized that I had 
I'd been writing my whole life. I wrote a short story in grade three about a hamster with three wishes that was published. I wrote punk song lyrics and um, I always aced writing in school. Um, but I started to take myself seriously around 24. I started to be like, oh, writing. Um, and 25, I published a couple, so I'm 30, so it was about like five years. I started to publish a couple of pieces. And then I actually remember the moment I was sitting in this show suite office. I would work in the bars until 3 a.m. And then on the weekends, I would wake up, sit in this show suite condo. And I would, I remember I was like sitting in this gray suit jacket with these white pinstripe sleeves, um, holding an Americano from Starbucks, which like to this day, I hate Americanos from Starbucks because they remind me of the life that I hated. And I was sitting there, the coffee was cold. It was just, I was so tired from working till three in the morning. And I just went, I'm out. And I called my mom and I was like, I'm going to move to BC, British Columbia. Mm -hmm. I got to like shift one part of my life to be an authenticity. Like at least one thing needs to drop. And like, I think things are coming to our lives for a season, a reason, or a lifetime, including cities. Like Edmonton is not my soulmate. Like, we're, we're done. I got some siblings out of this, but like, I'm out. And, um, so I was like, I'm going to look into schools, journalism and creative writing in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And I'd gone into a couple of different schools in Edmonton and sat with counselors and they would walk me down, um, the path of, and I would always go like, I don't no, I don't think I need this. And so I didn't really connect. Like I tried, I did try to conform and go to university, but I didn't feel that what I wanted to learn was there in any of the schools. But when I moved, when I chose to go to BC, I was like, I'll look into it. And then I also reached out to Deanne Whalen, who's a incredible filmmaker, author. Um, she is like, she's amazing. She was the first woman to make an, a documentary on Everest about like the fact that Everest is such a metaphor for human ambition mm. because people are just like climbing this mountain, stepping over people that are dying and dead bodies and stealing oxygen tanks and there's garbage. Anyway, she's incredible. And, uh, I had met her and she had made a comment to me, like just move to BC and like fucking sell condos in BC, you know? And so I was like, I wonder if D has any work. And so I reached out and told her I was moving to BC and that if she knew of any developers or serving jobs, and she was like, yeah, of course I do. But like, you want to be an artist. So come work with me. Um, and then I shit a brick because that was like getting a job at Nat Geo when you've been like just figuring out how to shoot phone, like photos on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I, I interned with her and that's truly when I, learned that part of being a successful entrepreneur is just fucking winging it and just going for it and having the courage to start. And I was writing consistently and my business was um, evolving and taking off. And uh, I'm such a backseat driver that I'm like, (laughs) I'm like struggling on the talking and the paying attention. I have nothing to do here. This is, this is, I once had a coach who was like, Yana, being a passenger in a car is a good thing for you because then you can't control. (laughs) Oh my goodness, control. You know, there's something interesting that you said about like fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. And I recently got a question. I was doing a QA and a on Instagram. The question was, do you think that you can fake it till you make it with self-love? And I don't think you can. Mm 
But I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Um, make it till you make it. I think that if you're in alignment with what you want to do, you can't be faking it. Yeah, that, that's what I said. Yeah. I mean, great. Great minds think alike. Thanks for the validation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's not, yeah, there's no, there's no need to, to fake it when you're in alignment. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time because building a business is like a baby fire and you have to cut the kindling and, you know, put some newspaper in and play with the damper and it's going to go out sometimes. And that's part of it, it is having patience. My business took one to two years to really profit enough so that I could walk away from support jobs. Oh, and that's the, biggest, that's the biggest issue with people. I think when they start to become entrepreneurs or coaches, they're like, cool, how do I make money? And we're like, mm, you got to lay that fucking foundation down yeah. and take time and build your fire and have a support job so that you're not throwing scarcity on your business and like belly flopping on it when it can't hold you. Mm-hmm. And now... So, I do know. And I have a question about just that kind of aha moment that you experienced when you were like, Edmonton can't, can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, how, how did you gain the courage to even like trust that gut feeling? Because I know so many people who are listening right now are in that space where they know they want more, they know they need it, but it's just so terrifying and they get that, that paralysis moment. So how did you step through that? So the one thing I didn't tell you, which is going to add to this question, is that I got pregnant Oh, right okay. as I took the internship. So not only right as I was like about to move, I was realized I was pregnant. So that made it even more perplexing of like, do I go? Mm. What Like what is, I, I had a lot of choices to make all at once. Um, and that was also hard because I remember being like, I need to go follow my dreams. I need to start my business. Like I can't do it with a kid. And then I had to really look at that belief system and be like, people have kids and start businesses, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I want to, I still can. Um, and yeah, I ended up having an abortion. Um, get out of the car. (laughs) Yeah. And that was a huge, that actually was what spun me into my why, which is a nice segue, Mm. but I'll answer your other question first. Let's answer the other question. So I was so sick of not choosing things that gave me joy. And I was so sick of, I remember just filling up coffee being like, I have so much more brilliance to give this world Mm. than do you want a fucking coffee refill? Mm. And just kind of this absolute, because we hit a a breaking point of intolerance, I think with ourselves where we can't lie to ourselves anymore. And I don't know, I feel like it hopefully happens to everybody unless we numb ourselves with medication and wine and all the other things that we do. Um, So yeah, I I think my, my piece was... I just couldn't keep doing it. I would come home from a trip and binge watch Netflix and just feel like shit. And it was because the life and the things that I were doing weren't enriching my soul or my spirit. And I knew there was something more. So I think that the courage became just from being so sick of choosing the opposite of courage. I like that. That's like the soundbite moment. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. good. Drop it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the other piece of that is that writing, I wrote an article about my experience of like the emotional processing behind having an abortion and making a choice and everything that went down. And that was actually the first like medicine truth thing I ever wrote. I'd written things that were prosy and beautiful, but I hadn't really shared 
truth, like truth that was like so shocking and so honest that you just like want to fall over. And I wrote that piece. It's called Aborting Shame, uh, One Woman's Experience with an Abortion. And it was so vivid and contained me talking to, you know, a doctor that was telling me, you know, don't, I went in to get medical advice and he was like, no, you shouldn't have an abortion. You'll regret it. And friends and family that were neutral or not neutral and just like all of the the pieces that I went through. And I had never seen or read anything that kind of was that behind the scenes Mm -hmm. emotional process around abortion. Um, And so it came out of me and it was so raw that I sat on it for like two months. I was like, I don't want to share this for attention. I don't want to share this to crucify my ex-boyfriend who didn't show up for the Mm -hmm. abortion appointment. I don't want to share it to be malicious. Um, I'm just going to wait and see why it exists. And I think that's partially something that our world needs to learn with Instagram is that like processing things before you share them is really valuable like really valuable, like taking time to digest something before we put it out into this world Um, and making sure that you feel complete and especially with something like having an abortion, you you feel that you're safe within your process to allow other people into that space with you. And so I, I, um, ended up posting it on elephant journal mm-hmm. and I was like, I'll just share it on elephant journal. Like, I don't know those 17 million readers. I'm not going to run into them in like a coffee shop, you know, like that's safe. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember getting the notification saying like, congratulations, you've been published and, um, realizing that like, no matter what anyone said, no one could alter their light within me. Cause I was so at peace with my choice. Um, and so I chose to share it on my Facebook channels and my Instagram. And I ended up getting called like everything from woman of the year to murderer by the first guy I slept with, who was super Christian. Mm. Um, and it's also kind of where my social media presence and sharing from a space of really, truly raw honesty began. Mm. And I had like hundreds of messages and comments that came in. And one of them said, uh, my, my dad dropped me off at the clinic. I was 16. He told me not to tell my mom and you're the first person that I'm telling. Ah, goosebumps. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in other countries, they honk to communicate with one another. (laughs) Seriously. They're like, come around the corner. Beep, beep. Canada, the U S we're like, I'm a dick. (laughs) Anyways. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I was like, shit, this is it. We're all looking for permission to feel safe, to be honest, mm-hmm. and just to like step into all of who we are. And, um, and so then I've just been so fucking honest that it makes the world uncomfortable. And, uh, yeah, my whole, my whole piece is that like, it doesn't really make sense that we exist in anything other than the reality that is our truth. It doesn't need to be the world's truth either, you know? I love how honest you are. That's what gets me coming back to every single Instagram post. <laughs> and I'm like, she has a lot of honesty because sometimes I get like three posts a day and I am so grateful. <laughs> I love it. through like them. little spurts, like seven. <laughs> yeah. I was nothing. like, she's processed a lot over the past <laughs> week. She's had a lot of time. <laughs> I grew up with two moms that were like, feel, communicate, <sighs> say everything. That's how, where it comes from. How was that? Because... You know, I mean, my husband and I, we go back and forth between having kids, and I think that we'd be great fathers, but, like, how was it not having... Thank you. 
how how was it not having like a father figure um mm, so people i have this poem this really witty poem that i wrote and then i will go into it with you but i have to share the poem which is people ask me what it was like being raised by two gay moms and i tell them on father's day my wallet is a little bit heavier and on mother's day a little bit lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, so for the for the for the short of it, I think that humans raise humans, and we are all thirty four parts masculine and feminine. Um, some of us that are a wife and mom could not be balanced in that and be giving too much masculine or feminine, even if it wasn't. So um, it, it, I think that my childhood was really beautiful. My mom was a total free spirit. We traveled all over the world when I was little before like we went down in a little bug through like we were in Mexico and Guatemala when I was super little like living in huts with tarantulas um my mom was a total explorer and adventurer and um so I have on one level this like go see the world like explore and like my mom is such a badass it's ridiculous like she was an airplane mechanic for like 15 years shaman like just like forever what I do I, she just finished a 3,500 kilometer paddle from Peace River Alberta to Tuktoyaktuk in the Arctic with her girlfriend for four months with a satellite phone wow. there was like bear people got killed by bears and drowned and like it was like the nar- anyways I have the gnarliest and the most loving one mama and then my other mama Jackie um was like total jock energizer bunny she um is like the Alberta so- oh, now she's the British Columbia softball coach and uh she's a total athlete and um is is so great so I was raised with a lot of love and communication on the forefront I also got three siblings which was awesome um and yeah I I I think that there was an awareness of not having a dad like when I was started to get a bit older it was mainly on like father's days where we'd be at school and be making cards and I actually started to make mo father's day cards and I'd be like I have two moms it's mo father's day and I would just give them cards twice a year (laughs) hey Hallmark don't take that (laughs) mine <laughs> motherfuckers i'll come after you um you heard it here first i'll support that, you i'll exactly, be a key witness exactly this is evidence <laughs> and um and then i will say that uh my my relationships with the masculine have definitely struggled so i wouldn't say there was no impact mm. um but i did some really cool work recently with like my chiropractor actually where we identified that my abandonment wound that shows up a lot in my relationships with men is actually was registered in my body when I was in the womb and my mom was feeling abandoned by my dad because he chose not to raise me. He was with another woman who was pregnant and like he made a a choice around that. And so that my chiro was like, yeah, that was your mom feeling abandoned and you empathetically in the womb were like, (laughs) and Mm. took that on as your story. Mm. so I mean we're just yeah I think that I think you should absolutely have kids if you want to have kids I think everyone should have kids I think that two hetero parents could have like it's not about our gender or even our masculine feminine energies it's like are you an accountable loving like human Mm. are you going to show up and raise and nurture a kid and um, even if you're not even ha- don't have a partner, you know, a single parent could do a better job than two parents. So, um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm pro, I'm pro people who want to have kids having kids, especially if they are like, you know, good humans raising good kids. Some people shouldn't have children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amen. Amen. We don't need a one child law, but we do need a like, I don't know, that's too controlling. (laughs) There it goes with that control again. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Hold on one second. I had to pull over the self-love police. They were like, woo, woo, woo. Gotta learn how to love yourself a little bit more here, boyfriend. And yes, the police called me boyfriend. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. If you are hearing anything in this episode and you're like, wow, I want to dig a little bit deeper into learning how to love myself and I just have no idea where to start, if that's a question that's come up for you, what I would love for you to do is head on over to my website and take my free self-love quiz. Now, in this quiz, it is five questions. It's super easy, less than a minute to answer them, and it's going to give you the exact tool that is going to support you learning how to love yourself. So you don't have to do it alone anymore. You don't have to keep on guessing. This is going to tell you exactly what to do and I'm going to give you the resources to do it. So if you're ready to step into learning how to love yourself unconditionally, join me at paulfishman.love forward slash quiz. Take the quiz and find out the tool that is going to support you learning how to love yourself. And with that being said, the police said, all right, we'll give you a pass this time, but you better start learning soon. (laughs) Let's get back on the road. So I think this is the perfect time for us to play our first road trip game here on the road to self-love. I would love if you'd be willing to write an impromptu poem together. I think that'd be really fun. Uh, You know, I'm a poet and I know it and you're a poet. (laughs) So um, uh, I think it would be really beautiful to write a poem around the concept of worthiness, if you're willing. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And if you want to start and just yeah. like go until you feel like going and then I'll pick it yes. up. I try and do this with my friend Jiffy Chino, Jeremy Goldberg, Long Distance Love Bombs. Sounds, yeah, I think so. He's friends with my friend Mark Groves. I feel like you should, he should come in your thing. Oh yeah, I would um, love to meet Mark. I try to get him to do impromptu poetry like this with me all the time. We did it in New York at an event and he hated me because he's like, I rehearse everything. <laughs> oh no, um, we're, we're so impromptu we're here on the road. Okay, so on, so it's about self-love and, and worthiness. You think that worthiness lives in a room, in a house, and you search for the key, but you were shot from the womb worthy of love. The second that you opened your eyes, opened your mouth, sucked air into your lungs, began to cry and to speak and to express, you were worthy of love. The worthiness comes from a feeling, a place, a knowing, a sound, a heartbeat, a pitter-patter of feet, pitter-patter of feelings of love and light around you, within you. The second you came into this world, worthiness was already within you. The why behind you, the why behind are, the why behind love is all within you. You walk around with hands that are empty, looking for people to hold you, love you, looking for somebody to swoop in on a horse and be your knight. 
be your own knight. Save yourself. Tap into that love like honey, like maple syrup, like sap inside of you and let it run and run and run until you are swimming in an ocean of love so deep and so endless and so vast that you don't know what's the sky and what's the ocean and you don't need to look or ask or wonder or want to know why because you already realize that you are it. And the it is the worthiness, the worthiness around being your own fairy tale ending, the worthiness around riding off into the sunset, knowing that you belong, you are strong, the worthiness that is within you is in with me, within us, within the universe. So believe right here and now that instead of thinking when, think of now, worthiness is all around you, within you. And you are ready right here and now. I love it. Are we still going? Can we keep going? I'm like, I don't know. I stopped. It was so good. Have you done that before? Um, I mean, if, I've, so I always, if I have creatives on, I like to like dive into their, yeah. their process and be like, yeah. let's do it together. Like out, we'll write songs together with, uh, with other people. And mm. I've had one other poet on the show that, that, but she does more of like a singing poetry. Ooh, cool. Her show, her uh, episode's going live next week. I'm Cool. Do Ariel Astoria? I feel like I've heard it. Mm-hmm. She's a yeah. She's awesome. Cool. Yeah. We could have. We could, was that short. How was that? <laughs> I think that was a good flow. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> it, we could have gone forever, but I felt like you know it was good. It was good. You know, Hallmark. Don't try and put that on a card no. because we're here for you. No, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. Oh, that was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, when it comes to just. Because you have a lot of different hats that you're you're juggling. You're the coach. You're the writer. You're you're you signed off for a while to finish a book. Mm-hmm. Did you finish the book? So I my second book. There's cobwebs on her vagina. Mm, um, mine too. <laughs> which is a poem about sexual oppression it's a a gynecologist and a christian mom and her daughter and he's giving her an exam then he goes on this rant about sexual oppression and like all sorts of stuff so i title all my books after titles of poems Mm. so it's the title of a poem so that one is i'm approving interior design i have like 50 pages left and then we're so close um i just recorded the audiobook for my first book like last weekend which was really fun and i like got creative and told stories and um that was really nice also like hard because you like I couldn't say the word woman for some reason like I was like are you fucking kidding me this is like the most said I was like this is definitely emotional there's like something behind this Mm. and successful I was like stuttering over Mm. I was like what the fuck um and uh and then my I went away but I also tried to go away right after getting a puppy and hiring a new COO and I also was processing a lot around the a man wound thing. Mm. And uh, so I ended up going away and I was gone for two weeks. The last two days I did successfully, I'm just organizing poems. I have thousands of poems, so I'm kind of organizing them for collections. Mm-hmm. So the third collection is now organized. And once the second book is out, I'll go into like production for that but I'm kind of trying to do like one at a time because there's eight books of poetry ready and like five books of personal development essays or like they're going to be called these are not poems a collection of essays is going to be like five of those too you're so cool (laughs) I'm just like so inspiring that you have all of this and that you're just willing to put it out there you know I, I I personally find that I feel called to 
put some of my life into a book and and that just whole idea that process in itself like scares me so but I guess if you're scared of it you gotta do it right mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. totally that's totally. where, that's where it all this all the space is to swim around in <sighs> yes and no more of a no more vagina cobwebs for right? sure gotta get rid of those I know the whole world needs to get rid of those cobwebs <laughs> I was surfing with this guy the other day and we were talking about politics, which is never a good thing. Mm. But he made some comment and he was like, Yana, we need a female president. And I was like, you know, I could be cool with like a male president that like was connected to his feminine and he was like open minded and liberal, and, like, basically not like an orange sociopathic Cheeto. <laughs> and what are you talking about? <laughs> no idea i have to revoke my canadian residency right now and i'm like no no. Uh, but i have to for tax stuff anyways um and i was just as i was talking his name is swami johnny and i was like you know it could be the guy with feminine aspects that Mm -hmm. would be okay and he looked at me and said no it has to be a woman (laughs) Mm. i was like we're at that point where we need we need women to lead um I forget where, where this was coming from. Well, I like Segway. it. I'm, I'm about that. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I think that we're really spoiled here on the West Coast. And really, I lived on the West Coast and I lived in New York City. So I've like lived at both like the, the polar liberal areas of, of the country. And, and, um, and I think that, yes, we are ready for a female president. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm personally ready for one. I'm just holding my breath to see if the rest of the world is ready or the rest Mm -hmm. of the country is ready. Mm -hmm. But I fully agree. We're going to choose our suffering until we choose growth. Oh, my goodness. We will suffer until we're no longer willing to suffer. Totally. What's your why? What's my why? So it's shifting because my my initial why was to um, empower and inspire humanity to love unconditionally. Because I have been, I've been going through so many different processes and, and really just like struggling immensely. I didn't know which lane I was in. Struggling immensely mm-hmm. with just being told I was wrong for being a certain way or looking a certain way. And, and then that conditioning just lived deeply within me. Mm-hmm. And my why uh, grew from this place of seeing so much suffering at the hands of others. And granted, I know that like now I have so all the control over how I feel around what others are saying to me and doing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it shifted a little bit because I realized that I cannot change the entire humanity. Like mm-hmm. I can't do that one person. So it's now shifting into just like to empower and inspire leaders to love themselves unconditionally. Because mm. when you live within yourself, you love yourself for who you are, then you can lead. You know, I've all my clients come to me and they're like, my husband needs to do this or the, my dad needs to do this. And I'm like, what can you do differently in mm. this moment right here and now to be a leader and to show that what they're doing doesn't bother you mm. or something along the mm-hmm, lines. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm chewing on my why that my mission statement was very solid for a long time. And now it's not as solid because I'm also dancing. If you're working with leaders, leaders are leading a lot of people. So you actually are going to still impact a lot of mm. people. You're still creating, yeah. even though it's individuals, if they're, they're still going to like create that large, large, large ocean. Right, right. Side note. Well, I, I appreciate so, the side and, note. And other, wait, one other side note yeah. is that um, 
on what you were saying about people coming and saying to focus on them. Melody Beattie has a book called Codependent No More that's really mm-hmm. brilliant. And she talks about how when you're in a relationship with someone who has an addiction or I think it's going to be applied to everything, that the way that we empower addicts to heal is by not focusing on them, is by focusing on ourselves and being a role model through how we're taking care of ourselves and walking in this world that they can choose themselves and show up. And that's one of the things that she teaches on like how to love an addict. So what you're saying is, is so true. It's like not about changing the course of actions of other people. If we're in tune with ourselves, then yeah. the world around us will like be in resonance. Mm, that's so beautiful. I mean, your why is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. You're beautiful. Yeah, oh, okay, keep it coming. You can come on the show. The car is so beautiful, so beautiful too. So, God, the poem we wrote was so beautiful. I know. <laughs> so I'm curious, like, where do you see yourself five, 10, 15 years from now? Like, do you have a, do you have like this like end, not necessarily end goal, but like a goal that you're working towards or just kind of like just doing all the things? Hmm. To be totally honest, like, I want to write books forever. Like, I'm going to have so many books, it's going to be silly. And, like, I I think oh, I think that's what I'll be doing forever. I think that our what's can change. So I could wake up and want to be a painter or make pottery. Who knows? Um, my end goal is to, one of the biggest pieces in my life and is creating balance around lifestyle, wellness, contentment, and joy while creating impact and change and kind of being in my dharma and my dharma is, is like a beast and it's pretty aggressive and I'm, my life is pretty full. Um, but for me, kind of an end goal, an end goal for me, it's when I close my eyes and I think about like joy and happiness and contentment. It's like so domesticated. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> so fucking domesticated. I'm uh, Adam Inkey, who's an amazing poet from LA, did this visualization with us and I this showed up for me a year ago and I was like, oh, um, is being in a house on the water. I was like, fuck, this is going to be expensive because, like, I'm in California. Like, cool, like, three mil. Awesome. Like, <laughs> I'm going to manifest that. Um, and just being on the water, I surf every day for about three hours. Water is part of my medicine. So being, like, on the ocean and I wake up in this house and there's a dog, which I now have. Um, and there's cups of black coffee and a man. And, like, my world is quiet. Like, so quiet. And it's it's like I'm free to write, but it's like I'm just writing. So I'm in the process right now of connecting in business with people who can really, like, help me manage things efficiently and then also, like, create courses and, like, still um, put some of the things that I'm teaching into, like, a more passive piece because, like, I want, like, quiet. So... Um, yeah, so like books and I have a film script I want to write about finding my father um, and like a couple of speaking things a year. But I really don't like, I really think that contentment, contentment is the key. That's the, the goal for me is contentment and joy. And so part of right now what I'm wanting to create is roots after being so nomadic for, you know, 10 years that's the dog (laughs) and have a home and experience love and relationship and learn in that container. Um, and I'll continue to grow and build and teach and speak and do the things, but just like more quiet. Mm. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful message that is because so many of us, myself included strive for 
ah, you know, mm-hmm. just like me personally. I'm just like fame, fortune, let's do it. You know? <laughs> Put me on camera. I love it. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I definitely have had that calling, but I love that that message from you just hit me to my soul that like you can be happy and have a quiet, slow life. And, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful that that's what you're called to do. And still create impact just like in quieter, easier like more organized ways <laughs> right yeah. like that's like it's just it's just it's like what's the message that we want to create in this world how do we create impact and like my books will will teach you know that's the thing that's beautiful is like I've checked in with like can my poetry and books be the only way that I share educate and spread my message and the answer is yes coaching's a what it's a speaking's a what the films are a what my clothing is a what but like when it comes down to it any one of our what's can be sufficient and yeah so I also like people approach me all the time to like host TV like I've got a couple of offers to host a TV show and like you know be Oprah kind of (laughs) and like I would be open to that too but I think that yeah, I guess my five-year goal is just, like, total contentment, more balance, you know, like, more – hi- we just talked a bit about hiring the right people and um, just creating space for wellness, you know. It's like I don't believe in waiting for wellness until we're retired and have lots of money. I believe in building a foundation and um, – I was listening to, what is it? I think it was, oh my God, he's so great. Boyd Vardy's book, The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. And Boyd was talking about somebody in his book who was just saying like, why save money? You know, like when you have food, you eat it. When you have things, you like use them. And it like really hit me because we were like, we're so obsessed with like having savings and having pensions and like having all this security and some of us get heart attacks and die before we ever enjoy it and mm-hmm. and live our lives. And security is false, you know? Um, so I don't know. I'm just, I really liked, I liked that idea of being really, pre- it was like a being really present, you know, because we're like, we're working so hard so that we have money and then our kids have money. And then, the, you know, it's like this ongoing thing where it's like, where do we stop worrying about it? Right. You know? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I do know. And I'm, I mean, I'd be, interested to to dive down that rabbit hole a little bit of this whole concept of savings and the why and the and it's my husband is very very like it's very important for him to know how much money is coming in every other week with his paycheck and Mm -hmm. and like security is very important to him it's also you know when you dive a little bit deeper from his past you know that it makes sense some of the trauma that he's been through so when it comes to me I'm just like oh I'm gonna go on a retreat for five thousand dollars yeah that's all I have in my bank account but you know it'll 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 add some magic to my life and Mm -hmm. and that's just uh the way that I operate from mm-hmm. that but mm-hmm. I, I think that I could use a little bit of saving well there's there's both there's yeah. definitely both but the reality is is like we're all afraid of like becoming homeless mm-hmm. you know it's like everyone's like I'm so like people are always like get so dramatic about being an entrepreneur I'm like yes and so if your business fails you'll just go get a nine-to-five job like you're working anyway mm-hmm. right now like mm-hmm. that's the big risk that you go work a job for money, which is what you're already doing before you become an entrepreneur. You're just doing something different for money with more risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, uh, I forget, the, forget the segue there, but I think there's, there's a balance for sure. There's definitely a balance. I'm still figuring it. I think like my company did like 300,000 last year. And like, 
I sink so much money into building things and paying people and like paying the right people. So I think that our, that's a, that's a whole, that's a whole thing. And I'm still walking it as well, but there's definitely an essence of like, I do believe that we are taken care of to that, which we believe ourselves to be. One of my coaches has this mentor with like a coffee cup. Perfect. Look, I have a coffee (laughs) cup. And like your context is like, you know, if I need, I pay, I, I pay out about seven grand a month. Let's just say like, I need seven grand for my, all the people on my team. And that's my belief. That's my reality. That's what I know. It's like, I'm usually taken care of even when shit gets weird where like money will come in in weird ways or Mm -hmm. like it, it like kind of counters out. Um, even if something falls out, something else shows up. So I think we really have beliefs that like shape us with money. And I'm working with Gay Hendricks, who's amazing. Do you know him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's mentoring me. And he just said to me one day, he was like, yeah, there's so much fucking money in this world. There's so much money. Just relax. (laughs) and I loved that he gave me an affirmation that said I relax I do what I most love to do and money flows effortlessly to me Mm. yeah that's so good yeah my mentor gave me a um when I was I was really struggling in my business over the summer and I go up to LA like once a month to do these interviews with people up there and I normally stay at like a nicer hotel but I had to stay at Best Western mm-hmm. and my mentor was like write on find a piece of paper that says Best Western on it and say right my name is Paul motherfucking Fishman and I will never stay in a Best <laughs> Western again and I mm, haven't yeah yeah <laughs> I mean you know I just thought that was a funny story that's to good. share that's good yeah. that's good well and all so the whole money flows in me and all that kind of stuff. But Totally. Yeah. Money is like an animal that like comes in and out. And I know lots of people who have lots of money and are miserable. So mm. I think that we also put too much weight on like what money will give us when it's like, wait, am I happy today? Mm. Do I like what I'm doing today? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of people that are rich and famous are like super unhappy. Yeah, it's true. And we all like want to get there. And it's like, mm. Mm, well, that's conditioning. Yeah. So I'd love to wind this down with the road trip game that you uh, that I play with all of my guests. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. So we're going to play Fuck, Mary Kill. Have you ever played that game before? No. Okay, so basically I'm going to give you um, three concepts, and you have to choose one that you would fuck, a.k.a. make passionate love to, marry, get wet to, and kill, and put in the ground. Um, so <laughs> yes. we're going to play Fuck, Mary Kill, Poetry, prose, and film. Oh. <laughs> I like to make it really hard. What? <laughs> I guess film would be a kill. Okay. Uh, but I feel like poetry is prose. Maybe okay. it is. Maybe, I thought I was being Give me really one smart. more. Give me one more. Give me one more. One give me more a thing? One. A different okay, thing. Poetry okay. and prose are like the same thing. The same thing. Okay, yeah. great. Well, I thought, once again, thought I was being smart. Um, well, like, I guess, like, well, what other type of writing do you do other than poetry? I write, like, okay, like my, my personal essays. development okay. essays. Okay. Essays, yes. great. Perfect. Okay. okay. Poetry and essays. Okay, poetry, <laughs> essays, and film. film. Huh. And one's Mary. Yeah, and one's passionate Passion, love. Passionate love would be essays. Okay. And poetry would definitely be Mary. Okay, great. Yeah. Or I would, you know, I could give up. It's so interesting because they're just different expressions of what we do, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I could be happy. 
It could also, film could be the passionate love as well. Great. It's fine. We'll kill it. We'll kill it. Okay, for, per, perfect. We, we solidified that. A little wishy-washy here and there, but it's fine. Um, and then what does self-love mean to you? I think it means uh, acceptance of ourselves in a way that contains both our light and our pain body and having patience with that process like I often will feel impatient with certain wounds or limiting beliefs that will show up I think that sometimes limiting beliefs are like whack-a-moles where we're like okay I like went to the course I cried in the pillow I like screamed I like walked on fucking coals like that whack-a-mole you know that whack-a-mole game mm-hmm. like that whack-a-mole is fucking down mm-hmm. and then you know six months later it's like hey and you're like no and so I'm super hard on myself and impatient and I was talking with Gay about this and he was like Yana the work that you're doing in your 30s you weren't ready to do in your 20s and the work that you will do in your 40s you're not going to be ready for it yet so like you're constantly unraveling and beating yourself up it's like our ourselves are showing we're showing getting shown bits and bits and bits of ourselves as we grow and progress and change and age and impatience with it's like there's no complete there's no end point with self-love there's there's an accept all there is is an acceptance as we continually unravel and like we think our shit's solid and then we fall in love and it's chaos and then we figure that out and we break up and then we're like fucking grief and then we got to learn how to like forgive and trust again and then we got to you know risk again in love it's like you think it's like self-love is not something we can be like check yeah. check it's good i'm good i'm good motherfuckers like i'm good until tomorrow <laughs> when i'm not good so i would say that the biggest word with self-love is like true acceptance and patience with like the human process and even if we're good at boundaries we're gonna get tested in new ways and like have to learn to do it differently so um yeah, I think just understanding that, you know, it's, it's, it sounds cliche, but it's like we are exactly where we need to be. And if we could just fucking love that rather than resent it or wish we were somewhere else, it's like everyone has shit. Your therapist has shit. Tony Robbins probably has shit. Like everyone has shit. So like it doesn't matter where we are, how aware, how enlightened, how developed we are. Just be patient with yourself. Mm. Mm, so good yes I'm all about that that was beautiful thank you. thank you so if people are resonating with you where can they find you nowhere darling nowhere I live under a rock you can't find me anywhere what is Instagram <laughs> what is Instagram Just kidding I live and breathe on Instagram along with all of you um, Instagram is like where I go I have like a blog on my website and I'm like no y'all like mm. Instagram is the blog nowadays mm. um, I have a book so my my Instagram is a combination of like dog photos, surfing, sass crass. Um, if you want to like just read my poetry, which I'm married to apparently, right? Yeah. Married to yes. Uh-huh. Um, then my my book, which is sold on my website, which is Yana Robinson looks like Jane with two ends <laughs> or uh, Janae, Janae, <laughs> Janae Robinson. Are you Jane? <laughs> yes, I am. Um, that I have a really quick funny segue story. <laughs> I was in. I went to surprise my mom in the high Arctic. Mm-hmm. And I flew for two days and I had like three hours sleep and I went chasing northern lights and yellow knife. 
I was wasted tired and I left my passport at um, a coffee shop and this woman came up to me and she was like, are you Janae Robinson? And I like thought she was recognizing me. I was like, yes. She was like, you left your passport at the coffee shop. Yes. Cool. Got it. No photos. Got it. Yes. Um, That was humble. That was great. Um, So JanaeRobinson.com. And Instagram, yes. There's Facebook. There's the book. Um, my website has all my like films and all the things. It's kind of like a hub for it all. Mm. Mm. You could Google me. There's lots of contradictory things on there too. So <laughs> plastic surgery, all sciences. It's really fun to go into the Google. Have you Googled yourself? Um, so my I share the same name with a um, politician, oh. um, Paul Fishman. He was, but uh, so. That, that pops up first. <laughs> that I haven't really hit much scandal yet. <laughs> yet. Hopefully you. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It hurts when you hit when you get. It's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, I've had some scandal in the past for sure. Mm-hmm. That, but I've buried it. You know, I've I've hired people to bury that scandal. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Get out of the car now. <laughs> no, get out of the car. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'm going to link everything in the show notes and really, really appreciate you joining me mm. on the road. This was so much fun. Thank you for coming up. Thank you for mm-hmm. saying yes and opening my DM from an unknown man. Like, there are so many people I've DM'd who are just, I'm just like, wow. Because I normally either send like a video or like a voice memo and mm-hmm. some people are like, I'm not going to. That's, it's scary sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate you stepping through your fear. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for reaching mm. out. You have such a beautiful soul, beautiful Thank energy. Thank yeah. You so this much. was fun. Yeah. Whew. Well, Woo! we'll see you next time on the road to self love. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on the road to self-love. It means so much to me that you show up every week to experience these transformative conversations and truly learn how to love yourself from all different points and aspects of life. Now, with that being said, I would be honored if you would be willing to rate and review the show. Better yet, if you subscribe and even share this podcast with one person, it will supply a massive domino effect of these messages reaching so many people who desperately need to hear these words. So if you feel like joining the self-love fam, do that right here and now. Rate, review, subscribe, and share. And most importantly, remember that you are worth it. You deserve it. And you are not alone. We'll see you next time on the road to self-love.